I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This is episode 98 with Dory Clark. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxas. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have with me Dory Clark. And Dory is a marketing strategy consultant, professional speaker, and frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review, Time, Entrepreneur, and World Economic Firm blog. So she does a lot of things. But she's recognized as a branding expert by the Associate Press, Fortune, and Inc. magazine. And she's the author of Reinventing You, Define Your Brand, Imagine Your Future, and her most recent book, which is Stand Out, How to Find Your Breakthrough Idea, and build a following around it. Now, you all listening know that uh, my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. So this is very much in line with what we like to talk about here and, and what it's you connecting across cultures but understanding what's unique about you and standing out and, and building a following around it. So I'm really excited to have Dory on here. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, the pleasure is mine. Now, before we get into this, the conversation there there was some interesting facts I found out that made me feel really bad for myself because um <laughs> I found out that you got into college at fourteen uh and then you graduated at eighteen uh, I think I think maybe I'm right. correct me if I'm wrong and then um you finished your master's at the age of twenty from harvard that that is all true yes wow. you see at the age of twenty, I was still a junior in Virginia trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my life. And you were getting your master's. I, 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 you got to tell me the story behind that. How did you, how does one get into college <laughs> at 14 in the first place? Well, the, the, the first thing that I just, I just want to mention, Tayo, is that the, the fact that I was getting my master's certainly didn't correlate to my knowing what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> fair point, fair point, fair point, fair point. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, since since my master's degree was in theology, oh. uh, which is uh, a very groovy topic, but not <laughs> not necessarily one I'm using every day. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Okay, okay, no, no, I, I hear you. I, I think I had heard on Lewis Howes that you decided to get a master's because you didn't, you weren't quite ready to dive into the real world at 18. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. But, but still, though, 14? How, like, what, what is the story behind that? Yeah, well, thank you. So, so basically, um, the the technical answer is that there is a uh, program at Mary Baldwin in College in Virginia that is specifically for girls, and it allows uh, it allows high school girls to enter college early. And there's some other programs like this in the country. A famous one is uh, is the Simon's Rock program that Bard College offers in Western Mass. Um, so there's there's a few. Uh, but for me, I just I grew up in this little little town in North Carolina. It was very uh, stultifying for me. It was not really the greatest cultural fit. And so I just wanted to get out of there. And so mm. I was looking for different avenues to do it. And that seemed like the coolest. Um, I thought about boarding school. I thought about magnet schools. But I thought, oh, well, if I can just avoid all of this and go to college, that would be the best. <laughs> and so fortunately, I was able to get in. All right. Well, I mean, that, that, that's a remarkable story. So I imagine you doing a lot of those things at a young age. Did, how did fit in into you know college with eighteen year olds, seventeen year olds go? I mean, did you find that you had to grow up really quickly, really fast? Were there things that were like ah? Well, I had I had two things going for me. One was that at least uh, at Mary Baldwin, I, I was there for two years, and then I transferred to Smith, which is where I finished up my undergrad. But at least at Mary Baldwin, they had uh, a cohort of students who were doing the same thing. Okay. So there were about gotcha. fifty girls who were in the same situation as me. Mm-hmm. So I had a a reasonable peer group that gotcha. was uh, younger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, though, is that I had a pretty fully formed personality <laughs> by that point, and, and so. The you know I, I still don't like these things like the idea of going to a keg party and drinking or something is literally my worst nightmare right now <laughs> at 36 and it was my worst nightmare at 14 um, so I was just not interested at all. Hey, well then that works out. That just that that's perfect right there. Then if it doesn't work out, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. And I'm with you on that. I never did that even when I went to college. So. Um, people always thought I was weird, so I don't know. Maybe I am, but, <laughs> <laughs> but my kind of weird. Uh, hey, high five to being weird. But um, so you help people find their niche, and um, and here we talk about how to use your difference uh, to make a difference across several cultures. But uh, before we get into that, can you tell us about how you came to find your niche? You sort of touched on it there earlier, saying. Uh, that you know, at twenty eighteen, you're still figuring out what you want to do. You know, you got into theology, but that wasn't necessarily what you use now. So, how did you, you know, become this uh, this person that speaks on this personal brand and, and uh, you know, talk uh, talking to people about standing out? Well, I, th- I think that sometimes um, the, the people who um, hopefully at least have have the most uh, helpful things to say about an experience are the people who really have to work at it rather than the people for whom something comes naturally. Right. Because if it comes naturally to you, you, you almost can't explain how you do it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, you know, oh, well, I just do it. And that's frankly not very helpful to uh, the rest of us. And so for me, uh, part of the reason that I, I do uh, enjoy talking about personal branding and about professional reinvention and things like that is that it was something I very consciously had to think about and work on because pretty much all of my initial hypotheses about what I wanted my career to be ended up not working out 
And so I had to very specifically recalibrate things and try different stuff and iterate. Um, so originally, I thought I would be a literature professor, and I tried to get into doctoral programs after my master's degree, and I didn't get into any of the ones that I applied for. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, well, I can be a reporter. And so I, I got a job as a reporter, and I liked that, but I got laid off after a year. And so then I switched into working in politics, and I worked on some high-profile campaigns, but they all lost. And so it was just one thing after another. So, um, you know, by the time I'm 24, 25 years old, I've had all of these potential careers implode, and I really had to get serious about, you know, thinking about what else could I do. I, I had, you know, I've been proud. I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm being creative, I'm being adaptive, I'm coming up with new possibilities. Um, but even then, it wasn't, it wasn't quite enough. And so eventually, I, I, you know, evolved and came into being an entrepreneur and having the business that I have now, um, which I've now done for nearly a decade of writing and speaking and teaching and consulting um, and a little bit of executive coaching thrown in there. Wow. But uh, that was uh, that was something that was very much not part of an original strategy. It was uh, it was a strategy that I developed through iteration and through feeling my way. Yeah. I think a lot of people that I talk to get really frustrated or upset or they feel like they're doing something wrong because they don't have this macro theory that they're following and executing on. Mm. But you know, I, I strongly believe from all the research that I've done that for most people that's not the case. You, um, you, you really uh, can only figure it out while you're in the process of figuring it out. Right, right. And I love what you're saying because I feel like I've, I've been down the same journey. So I started working once I got to the States. Uh, my dad's a diplomat, so we always traveled. But um, the time he got posted to Vietnam was right around the time I was graduating from boarding school in uh, Nigeria. So, um, you know, I would then be, you know, I needed to find a college. So he, he sent us to Liberty University in Virginia while we were, I would go back and forth to, um, to Vietnam. So... But during that time, I what a, what a commute! That's I want now. I want to take. I want. I want to hold your podcast hostage, and I want to ask you a bunch of questions. So. Oh, you feel Sorry. free. Feel free. Feel free to ask me the questions because this is. I, I think that's actually the best way um, to do this because I'm also in the process of doing exactly what you're saying. But during that time, um, I, I went to got into college at 17, so I, I thought I was cool because I thought I was pretty young at the end of college. But you, you got in 14, so um, I got into college at 17. And then, um, you know, when I was 18, I started getting into, like, entrepreneurship and diversity, but at, no, not diverse and nonprofits. And then, you know, I had the, had the marketing. I, I discovered that I liked it. Then two years into that, I found another one, and I started doing that. I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. This is kind of cool. I think I know what I want to do. And then when it was time for me to graduate, I found that, you know, I needed to, like, find a job that, that just sort of paid, paid the bills or something. So I... I originally went to a company for sales, and then I landed in. Yeah, I went to a company for marketing, and then I landed doing sales and having to make quotas. So it was very interesting uh, the journey there. And then I was like, ah, "Gosh, I hate this." So at 22, 21, 22, I was like, "I'm at this point in my life where I thought I was going to be like this amazing entrepreneur who's going around speaking and doing this, but I still don't know what I'm doing, and I'm at the sales job that I hate." Uh, mm. I finally had like a near fatal car accident um, or I don't know if it could be fatal but it was my car got totaled and I could have flipped over the bridge and still nothing happened to me it was three car accidents and then I, I took this fateful trip to New York and I was like this is where I want to be so I came here started getting the MBA 
I was again one of the youngest to do that, but I still sort of was figuring out what I needed to do. And then I, I went to an Arena Huffington event, and I was like, I had had the idea for the podcast. I had the idea for the media platform, and then I felt good, but I held myself hostage again and saying, "Nah, this is going to be like some sort of hobby." And then I got laid off from my from my job while I was getting my uh, while I was getting my MBA here, and then I I just like I just like I got it really figure out what I want um, and and it's like you said I'm 25 now turning 26 next month but here I was at this juncture and I had done like so many uh, so many different things that I thought I was going to do and I kept always having to adapt and I, I I have like a list of rejection letters and I think it's like 200 and something right now I keep a list of some of these things because I'm, I'm always like trying to get motivated and many of these rejection letters would motivate me but I was like I've been rejected by these many companies. I still don't know what I want to do. Even though I'm, I'm, I was 24 at the time, I'm 25, I, I need to figure out what my spin is. And I just said, I need to start taking control of my narrative. So, so yes. I, yes. Yeah, so I started, I was like, I need to start taking control of my narrative. And that's where the use of difference be, uh, to make a difference came. And, and, and it's not, I'm not saying this to say I'm where I, I need to be because I'm definitely not, but it's, it's a shift as a mindset shift that I discovered. I wanted to ask you about that because I am just beginning to discover this. It's not like I'm there and I, but I'm learning that, like understanding that I'm like this cultural connected that can help connect people um, and understand what it's like to communicate across cultures. And I love doing that because I love the, the benefit I get from helping people, whether it's bring people like you onto the podcast or producing stories on UIDmedia.com or going to speak at conferences. But it's, it's the joy that I have from taking control of the narrative and deciding that I want to do that. And this can happen whether I have a job or not, but this is something that I enjoy doing. But I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on that because it's, you know, it's when you said 25 and I was like, I'm 25. And I go, I'm going through that and thinking that I'm a 40-year-old person in a 25-year-old body. <laughs> but um, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that because it's, it's like that constant shift is something that resonated with me. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think I think that that makes total sense. And yeah, that's right. Save those rejection letters, and it's good. They can they could become your hit list. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, I I have not forgotten the the uh, the rejections that have gotten the pe- the people that sent them. I'm like I'm like no, I'm gonna. You know, in in ten years, in twenty years, I, I want I want you to be just like waking up in the middle of the night, being like, "Why? Why right? did I say right? no to Dory Clark?" Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And they were like, "Dory Clark is killing it," and this I, I could have had her on my team, but nah, they lost. No, but but it's true. I I, I sort of heard you like get excited when I said take control of your narrative. Why do you why, why is that something that that's in, that you agree with? Why is that something that you agree with? And how can people do that? Well, you know, especially given my time working in politics, this is something that is a uh, a central concern, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when when you work in politics, uh, you have it's it's very similar to personal branding in general for for individuals and in the corporate realm, except it is uh, a little bit faster paced. There's a lot more scrutiny because you have the media involved in it, and you have the additional uh, burden of having not just the challenge of getting your proactive message out, you also have people who are who are 
specifically trying to knock you off your message and put you onto the defensive. Mm. So there's a lot going on there. And so the thing that you learn more than anything, the thing that's really critical, uh, and, it, and it translates over into the, uh, the professional world, is that you have to take control of your narrative. If you enter a situation where someone else is telling your story, you can, you can guarantee that it is, it is not going to be done the way that you want. I mean, fortunately for, for most professionals, you know, you, you don't have a competitor, quote-unquote, that is specifically trying to, uh, to knock you down. But even so, um, if someone else is telling your story, if you are reliant... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. On that, people people just don't pay very close attention. You know, they're not clued into you. They're not clued into the nuances. Maybe they haven't really paid attention to your accomplishments in a couple of years. And so, if they're telling your story, I mean, it's it's like what we see. You go, you know, you go to a cocktail party or something, and somebody introduces you, and they say, "Oh yeah, this is Tayo. You know, mm-hmm. he's uh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and they'll like stumble. They won't even kind of know what you really do. You know, you'll get things like." Oh, this is Frank. He does um something in computers. <laughs> and it's just not it's not helpful. And so as a result, your message loses its power and the kinds of, of opportunities that might come your way if people actually knew what you did are lost. But if you tell your story, you are able to do it in a way so that people will you know sit up and take notice and all of a sudden you're gonna be top of mind for the kinds of things you really want. Huh. No, that's a great point about how Someone's sitting out there listening, asking how, but how can I, I don't even know what's special about me, but how can I take my narrative and, you know, what are tips that I can use to discover that? Because, you know, I'm struggling with that. What would you say to that person? Yeah, so you know, it's it's really hard for everybody, honestly, to know uh, to know what what is special and unique about them. It's very hard. I mean, we we have a broad sense of what our character is like, mm-hmm. but what we don't have a very good sense about is how other people perceive us specifically what they think of as distinctive about us. Because you know, most people are not really spending enough time to have this incredibly nuanced view of who who we are mostly when they think of us they they think of like two or three big things um and our trick is we need to figure out what those are and see if that matches what we want it to be mm-hmm. so one exercise that i actually uh prescribe in my first book reinventing you is the three-word exercise where you go and over the course of a few days you ask about a half a dozen uh, friends and colleagues 
what if they had to describe you in only three words what would they be and what's useful about this is that you after the fourth or fifth person are going to start to see patterns in what they say and you can you can begin to find out what it is out of all of the different you know myriad traits that you possess that people think is is most special about you and you can use that as a starting place gotcha gotcha so asking three friends to sort of um, you know describe you and what's what's that distinctive thing about you and that gives you a frame of reference that you can refer to because sometimes you know you have that um, I do agree with you that you, you look at yourself and you can't necessarily see your blind spots right or your advantages um, and, and I had this I have a mastermind that I attend every week and th- last week it was funny they just they told me you know these are all these things that we feel like you're great at and you're not taking advantage of and it's frustrating for us to see because you're the one that's defeating that. You're like always saying that to yourself that, oh, no, you're not. But other people see you that way. Um, and, and it was interesting. It was very eye-opening because I, I hadn't allowed myself to see, um, to see the way other people saw me. And one of the reasons was I was trying, for some reason, I had the idea that I'll, I'll be like uh, too cocky or arrogant or that it was too, you know, I didn't want to think that I'm this person because I was like, oh, I'm that, that's, I'm bordering on being overconfident if I acknowledge that for myself. So I went the complete opposite. But apparently it was turned to my detriment because I was missing on opportunities, like you said. Um, and I think that's one of the stories people go through when they're defining their brand and personal brand, becoming a thought leader or things like that. They're like, ah, but am I coming across as arrogant? Yeah. You know? Right, right, exactly. I mean, people people do worry about it, and I think that that's one of the things that holds them back yep. uh, oftentimes. But the, the truth is, um, many times people confuse personal branding with bragging and with what you are specifically saying about Me. yourself. <laughs> exactly, exactly. What, what I think, uh, you know, the point that I want to underline is that having a strong personal brand and really taking the time to think about that, focus on it, it's, it's actually what you say about yourself. I mean, it's important for sure, but frankly, that's the least of it. Because a really strong personal brand is something that you convey in everything that you do. It's not really what you're saying about yourself. It's what kind of what kinds of activities are you participating in? Um, who are your friends? What kind of things do you talk about? What kind of hobbies are you pursuing? Those are the kinds of things that make up a personal brand. And you know, nobody is going to say, "Oh, you know, this person's bragging so much because you know they're they decided to become the uh, the treasurer of their professional association, or because they you know like to uh, like to read business books in their." spare time or whatever. I mean, those are those are not bragging things, but those are things that when people think about them and, and sort of take them in as part of the sum total of who you are, it begins to shape a perception of like, wow, this is a really serious professional person who is on the move. And those are the things that start to really shine through. Yeah, no, and you're you're so right. You know, there's a saying you are, you know, you are some of the five friends you hang you hang around with or you know show me friends and i'll tell you who you are some variation of that i'm botching all this stuff but some variation of that but the community you hang around with the type of um of things you you associate yourself with do eventually shape uh you and sometimes you get associated with that and what it's you know what it's a good or bad thing whether you're guilty by association that does happen sometimes um but um i think i think i think being more conscious of that is something that's it's definitely important I want to stay on this, though. 
as you start to build your personal brand, um, something something that I'm I'm finding a lot of people I talk to are finding is uh, there's this thought leadership word. You know, it comes out, and I know you have a great point on this. It's it's sort of evolved over time to become this this uh, catch word that everybody likes. It's like a hot take. Well, you a thought leader? Well, we need a thought leader in this industry before we can talk about that. What are your opinions on a thought leader and what that means today, especially in digital world? and ways people can build that thought leadership. Yes. So thought, thought leadership is an interesting uh, category. I mean, so, some people, uh, as you're perhaps alluding to, are a little bit hesitant about, uh, about you know, even the phrase. It kind of turns them off a little bit because a lot of people have, uh, have adopted it and uh, perhaps co-opted it. Um, and I, I agree. I mean, when people are parading around saying, I'm a thought leader in this, I am a thought leader in that, it can sound really egotistical. And frankly, a lot of the people who are claiming that mantle don't really deserve that mantle. Yeah. Um, this is one of the things where, um, you know, Margaret Thatcher's fa- famous saying, if you have to tell people you're a lady, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it's uh, it's kind of a parallel here with thought leadership. Um, that being said, I think that thought leadership, in in its truest form, is something that is very noble and is worth aspiring to. Because basically, what it means is that you are contributing ideas that are valuable to other people, ideas that are worthy enough that they are in fact creating followers around them. And so, I, I think that. Uh, you know, the more people who are doing that, the the better our world and our society becomes. Good. So, yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of uh, of of people at least trying for it. I think that that sometimes people get hung up on it and they think, oh, you know, thought leader implies you have to be like the expert of the universe in something. And I really want to clarify that uh, it's entirely possible to be the thought leader. In your organization, it doesn't have to be that you know more about something than anyone else in humanity. Um, you can be a thought leader in your company about HR, or a thought leader in your company about, um, you know, Facebook advertising or whatever it is, um, and that will create real professional dividends for you. Yeah, no, I, and I, I'm so glad you said that because I mean that's something I, I definitely aspire to be, and it's my thing is you know c- contributing, and you know, what it's. And it, in the in industry, just contributing and helping pe- to make people's lives better, helping them to be able to see themselves better and use their advantages to, you know, to the goal, use their global identity to their advantage, essentially, and understanding what's that, um, you know, what that does for them. And that's, you know, that's my sort of con- contribution to, to being that thought leader. But the, with thought leadership, some of the things that comes with that is, is building a following in a community. Because that, you know, if you, if you do it well and you do it right, you start to get people to listen to you, whether it's in a newsletter or they go to your speeches, they listen to your podcast, they are asking you to actually create products for them because they, they believe in you and they want to learn more from you. How do you get to that point where you're building the following and how do you cultivate a community of followers? So... The, for the first point here is that um, a lot of people get frustrated, and I can totally empathize, um, because a following in a community really does take a while to materialize. And, uh, you know, I can say from my own experience, I was blogging uh, very regularly for at least a couple of years, um, between two and three years, before I started to see substantial returns from it. 
by which I mean um, getting off, you know, offers from multiple places to do paid blogging, uh, getting inbound inquiries from people that I didn't know uh, who wanted to hire me for consulting or speaking or things like that. Um, and, you know, so two or three years worth of consistent blogging is was hundreds of posts that I had written. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you're, you're doing, uh, you know, but when, when you're doing uh, two posts or, or 10 posts or 50 posts, you start to wonder, is anyone listening? Is it, you know, is this having an impact? And it can be really frustrating because there's a gulf in between doing it and getting the recognition for doing it. Mm. Um, but you have to keep faith and you have to persevere with the process. And it's it's only in keeping on doing it that you will gain the competitive advantage because so many people drop off in the middle. Um, but once once you do that, you really do begin to get momentum because if you're creating, you know, quote unquote, thought leadership material, whether it's blogs or podcasts or videos or whatever it is, you are creating a way for like-minded people to follow you and to find you. And be, thanks to the internet, um, over time, it, they will be able to uh, to assemble. And uh, that that becomes really powerful. It's sharing your ideas. That is what enables this process to take root. All right, sharing your ideas, staying consistent. Uh, would you add focus to that? Uh, focus is important. I mean, I personally um, am, am someone who... Uh, who writes about a lot of different things. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, uh, but they're all in the business realm. I mean, I'm not writing about tennis and dogs and corporate You're not? governance. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, may, maybe I should to shake it up, but, uh, but, you know, I write about marketing and branding and leadership. And so they're a little bit different, but, you know, I think the same people generally would be interested oh, in them. I definitely think the same people. Um, all right, so. Naturally, with thought leadership, some people, you get into entrepreneurship. And to you, is there a difference? And if there is a difference, what is that difference? Absolutely. And uh, and I'd be glad to, to talk more about this. I should just let you know, Tayo, by the way, that I have a 2 o'clock call that I need to hop on. So I should probably wrap this up uh, oh. soon. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. All right okay. Um, okay, thank you. All right. So yeah, no problem. Is... So I'll, I, can, I can tackle that. Um, uh, so... Okay. Uh, so the the exciting thing about uh, creating thought leadership and uh, and getting recognized for it is that as your brand grows, the options and the possibilities for you begin to grow. And when your brand is really strong, when it's strong enough that people know what you're about and they're starting to seek you out, that gives you an enormous amount of leverage. Whether you want to stay inside a company or potentially start your own venture. Um, it's through it's through content creation that you are able to get clients as a new entrepreneur. Mm. And you know, we all know that the best situation is where people are coming to you rather than you having to knock on doors and say, "Oh, please hire me. Please consider me." Um, you want to create enough attraction so that people are pinging you and saying, "Tayo, how how can I work with you?" Um, so that is what consistent production of thought leadership will enable you to do. Oh. And in fact, one thing I'll just mention quickly for people who are interested in this concept is that I uh, actually created a free 42-page workbook 
which is adapted from my book Standout. And if people would like to download it for free, they can do so at my website, which is doryclark.com, D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you. That was a nice segue because I um, really want to thank you though, for saying that because I think it's, it's, it's a nice way you put it the way thought leadership can lead to entre- entrepreneurship. So we can find you at doryclark.com. Is that what you're saying? And that's where all That's you- right. Yeah, all the books. All the good stuff is storyclark.com. Uh, I have 400 free articles. I've got the free 42-page uh, workbook. And my books are Reinventing You, Stand Out, and I have an ebook called Stand Out Networking. All right, all right. So um, I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. Storyclark.com, that's, that's the hub. That's everything. And uh, just thank you so much uh, for uh, coming on to talk to us about ways we can reinvent ourselves and the ways we can stand out. Thank you, Tayo. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.